ready for your bedtime story? I'm Kieran Davis, and welcome to When the Frogs Sleep. When the Frogs Sleep is a series of traditional stories, legends, and personal documentaries where we'll talk about reconnecting to the land, our favorite bedtime stories, and experiences navigating gender and identity. I'm joined by my co-host, Winter Dawn Lipscomb, and for today's episode, we're going to talk about the creation story, specifically the creation story of When the Frogs Sleep. Hello, my name is Winter Dawn, and I'm an Anishinaabe Kwe from Wajishkanigam Nation here in Treaty 3 Territory. I've been a member of the Treaty 3 Youth Executive Council for about three years now, and since being in this role, strengthening youth's connection to the language and teachings has been a priority for me. As oral peoples, storytelling is such an essential part to how we share our knowledge and teachings, so it felt important to create a space where we could share our own stories, hear teachings from elders and knowledge keepers, and give space to hearing the experiences of our peers. Why is storytelling important? I think storytelling is important for two reasons. The first is if you're somebody who's sharing stories, you're putting yourself and your words and your ideas and out there into the world, and you never know who's going to actually resonate with that story or how it's going to help them get through a difficult time in their life. And when you're somebody who's listening to a story, that's an opportunity to learn. That's an opportunity to see how somebody else did it. And I know that for me, storytelling's helped me get through some really difficult periods in my life. When I was 15, I was hospitalized at the Health Science Center for a week. And my mom got me a copy of Franklin Goes to the Hospital and we'd read that story. And it's just, it's a children's book. But as a teenager, there was something that was nice about going back to childhood and kind of forgetting where I was or how difficult that time period was. And I think storytelling is really great in that way because you're able to put yourself into the story and you're able to get either the wisdom you need or disconnect or see something else. I think storytelling is important for people because that's an opportunity to come together, whether that's with your friends or your family. I mean, look at the podcast. You and I went from never talking to talking all the time because of stories and sharing those stories back and forth with each other when we needed them. Deadly. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any stories that have impacted your life or helped you through some time that was difficult for you? That's a good question. I used to read a book. If anyone knows me, they know that seeing me reading a book is very uncommon (laughs) or finishing a book (laughs) for that matter. I have maybe five on the go haven't finished them a little bit of this a little bit of that yep (laughs) i read what i feel and i never feel like finishing a book (laughs) (laughs) i always get so attached to it and i don't want to end it but there was this book i would reread always and i can't even tell you how many times i've read that book it just as soon as i finished it i picked it back up and i'd read it again and that was called uh the perks of being a wallflower and that story like it It was written in a way that it had journal entries for like chapters instead of like actual chapters or anything. And it came from a perspective of a youth in grade nine navigating through high school and um, dealing with typical things you're exposed to in high school, I guess. Um, And what he had gone through prior to going into high school is kind of like how I feel, how I went through life i didn't know about anything until after reading that book and i was just like hey i I kind of relate to that 
I guess that was one story that really stuck with me even still though I don't think I could pick it up and read it again but if I did <laughs> I could probably do it in a day <laughs> me and Twilight oh my goodness <laughs> not the Twilight <laughs> I read the entire series in a whole weekend uh, yeah well, I don't know something uh, about Edward Cullen <laughs> Edward Cullen not this is the skin of a killer boa. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> what are some stories that have impacted your life or helped, th- helped you through something happening in your life? I don't think there's one singular story that stands out to me. I remember being a teenager and Chicken Soup for the Soul really impacted my life. Uh, this is before Kieran Davis's time. He doesn't remember these books. <laughs> so if you want to feel old. <laughs> but Chicken Soup for the Soul had a bunch of real life stories that came from people. And for me, that was helpful when I was going through transition periods in my life. When I had to move to Sioux Lookout or moving back to Kenora, going through high school, falling in love, all those fun things. But I found... Stories were helpful when I was going through difficult periods of my life because I was able to disconnect from what was happening and just have a happy ending. What's that smile? Oh, I just Googled chicken soup for the soul. (laughs) 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 I still don't know what it is. (laughs) As a kid, I remember I loved the Franklin series. That was a book series that my mom would read to us every night. My sister's book series was Little Critter, and we had a bookshelf, and it was just filled with all the different books in that series. Actually, there is a book that probably changed my life without me even knowing it. When I was in high school, I worked for the Alzheimer's Society, and they had a barbecue and book drive once. On a whim, I was looking through some of the books, and I came across one called Too Big to Fail. There was this huge book, like several inches thick. It was about the 2007-2008 financial crisis, which sounds really boring. You know what? Fair enough, because (laughs) economics, that's not for everybody. And I bought the book just because I wanted a big book. I don't know. I just wanted to say I had this big book. And then it wasn't until a year or two later that I actually read the book out of boredom because I'd gone through all my other books. And then I was fascinated because it was almost like a journal entry of all these different people's lives leading up to the crash on Wall Street. I was so interested to see how something like the the financial crisis could have happened. How did this housing situation occur? How do we let these banks run wild? And that story, or that book, and that series of stories helped me go into economics because I became interested in business and how the economy worked and all these big systems and so when I went to university I took an economics course and I remember I swore I wasn't going to take an economics course because it's math and I hate math but then I fell in love with it and now I'm doing my master's in economics and that's a story that I feel like had I not read that book you know I might not have ended up where I am right now deadly (laughs) (laughs) Where does the name for the podcast come from? When the Frogs Sleep came from my mom. We originally were going to call this Res Time Stories. 
little play on bedtime stories oh yes but my mom when i was sharing the idea with my family she told me she's like you should you should call this when the frogs sleep because traditionally anishinaabe people we share stories um in the winter time or like in the winter months after the frog frogs (laughs) (laughs) toads frogs (laughs) (laughs) the frogs stop like croaking and they start sleeping like um when hibernation happens and after the first snowfall that's when we read um or not read i guess we would share stories so yeah like i thought it was a really cool idea so i shared the the name with winter dawn and immediately like yes when the frogs sleep yeah us renaming or rebranding to you when the frogs sleep was immediate buy-in for my mom because she loves frogs and so as soon as she saw the podcast title she's like yep doesn't even matter i'm in that's (laughs) it (laughs) it's special that way though because i feel like both of our moms played a big role in helping put the podcast together because every time this podcast plays your mom gets to go hey i came up with that name and my mom gets to go hey i helped you guys get the funding (laughs) (laughs) yes thank you both sylvia and debbie (laughs) why do you do the podcast that's a good question you asked me to join you last june and was it toronto for chiefs of ontario yeah as I was only supposed to be on, uh, like, uh, alternate yeah. for your other council member. Turns out I'm on the OFNYPC now. <laughs> you ask them there. But I think it's it's really because there's so many people out there that don't have access to these stories. And don't have access to learning other people's lives and, like, hearing our own voices and our own legends it's important for us to be able to keep those teachings and keep talking and keep sharing but i know that for a lot of people in a lot of communities something like this doesn't easily come by and being able to speak with an elder or hear another two-spirit voice share their story it's not always there and so for for us to be doing this and having a podcast for those people to connect with us. That's really why I do it. Makes a difference for them. Yeah. Why'd you do this? Why'd I do the podcast? I remember a couple days after you had me the bedtime story. Why did you ask me for the bedtime story? I asked you for a bedtime story because I was really stressed out about school because I thought doing a master's was a good idea and also working full time was a good idea all at the same time. Turns out it's not, and so I had a lot of stress and worry about my midterms that were coming up and also things that I had to finish for work and for the youth council, and I kind of asked you for a bedtime story as a joke because I didn't think you were actually going to read me one, mostly just because of a logistical thing, like you're all the way in Sulacout, I'm in Winnipeg, so how are you actually going to read me a bedtime story? But I was really surprised when you did. And I'm really thankful that you did as well, because that was enough for me to go to sleep and also start the podcast. Without question, I just, can you read me a bedtime story? Straight to the bookshelf. And I was, I was excited that you asked. (laughs) I was like, aw, 
No one ever ever asked me for that. (laughs) And I remember after we started, like, I'd ask my friends, I'm like, hey, do you guys want bedtime stories? (laughs) (laughs) It's nice to do for your friends. And yeah, really thankful you you opened that back up for me because, like, we used to be read bedtime stories a lot and not so much anymore now that we've grown up. But it's something nice to be able to still have. I miss that part. You know, I have a lot of fond memories of my family with bedtime stories and reading together and even just sharing things that happen throughout the day that it's nice to just have that space to go back to and somebody that I'm able to talk about that all with. And I realized that if I was asking for a bedtime story and that helped me, how many youth are out there that don't have somebody in their lives that can read them that story? So my thought process with that, when you asked, I immediately went straight for the Mishomas book, for the creation story, Um, because I feel like I could have gotten any other bedtime story, like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, but I chose that one because it's from our people, written by our people, and it's our people's creation story, and I think that was really the main reason why I chose that one and like I knew you were like struggling if you'd ask me for a bedtime story not a lot of people (laughs) will do that no (laughs) (laughs) and so I was like you know what she needs to hear the voice of our people and she needs to know or be reminded of why we are here and what we do and that we are still here hearing that story that night really grounded me and in asking you for that bedtime story, it was more just of a joke. Like, hey, haha, read me a bedtime story. It'd be funny. But actually hearing you read me the bedtime story was enough for me to disconnect from worrying about school and my marks or what I had to accomplish on my to-do list. And that five minutes that I had to just focus on listening to the story was enough for me to fall asleep. And I know that shortly after, I was like out Oh, like, like <laughs> gone <laughs> and it was a couple of days later that I was thinking about that and I was like how many other people out there just need somebody to read them a bedtime story or remind them where they're coming from and just have a few minutes to disconnect and that felt like an opportunity for us to come together create the podcast and be able to share these stories with other youth as well or other people who might not see themselves represented mm-hmm or don't have a space where they're able to go to their kokam or their shumis to sit and talk about the old ways. And I remember there was a gathering that the youth council held over the summer and we invited the youth and we invited some elders and the youth were able to ask these elders any of the questions that came to mind. And I remember youth sharing that she didn't have a safe space to go ask and that's the reality for a lot of youth. You know, there's there's that knowledge gap between the generations that we have an opportunity to help bridge by having elders and knowledge keepers on the podcast, but also carry that forward by inviting youth and adults and others to share their stories here as well. The other reason that I took the leap of faith to start the podcast, especially not having any technical background, first of all, and also hating the sound of my own voice, was that how many times has a youth 
And even how many times have I looked at somebody doing something and been like, oh, that's so cool. I'd love to be able to be there or do that someday. And then I had that realization of what's stopping me. Why can't I go do those things? Like, why can't I have my own podcast that shares stories? Why can't I do that with Kieran? And once I had that realization, it was like, okay, we can do this. How do we actually make that happen? And there were a lot of people that helped pull that together. I remember talking to my esthetician about it and saying, hey, this is something. What do you think? And her support and enthusiasm. And sharing that with Sarah, our file holder, and her saying, okay, you have the proposal. How can we get you the funds to do this? And then being able to bring that back to get the funding and immediately having people buy in and say, yeah, we're going to come listen to you because that's important and because there's value in that. And I want youth to be able to look at the podcast and think like those two people all the way in Northern Ontario from the middle of nowhere in the bush, they did this. Mm-hmm. So what am I, what else can I do? And I, I want youth to be able to just know they can take a leap of faith. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I do all that I do is just, I never imagined myself doing a podcast being on the Ontario First Nation Young People's Council, speaking. Being in CBC. Being in CBC, like, or APTN. Like, I've never imagined that for myself. But when those opportunities arise, like, I have to take them because, like, why not? Yeah. Like, why can't I? Like, I'm just a little bush kid from Laxul. Like, I grew up on the res. I grew up in Thunder Bay, right off the river. it's a big res (laughs) but like i'm just a trans two-spirit youth and but that's not just who i am i can do all i can go as far as i want and i want youth behind me to know that they can do why do we only share stories in the winter time so in the winter time it's believed that the spirits are less active and more asleep because just like people if you're talking about them they can hear you and so we'll share about them in the winter while they're sleeping rather than the summer when they could hear us and in the other months of the year we'll have special guest speakers from the youth council the two-spirit council elders who are able to share their personal stories and how they got to where they are Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's it. Just like that. Chimiguitch <laughs> <laughs> to everybody for joining us this evening. Ever sick? I wanted to say that part. Chimiguitch for joining us this evening. <laughs> 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 Subscribe to the podcast and find us on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at When the Frogs Sleep to find your next bedtime story. Good night. Have a good night. Ojibwe creation story from the Mishomas book, The Voice of the Ojibwe, written by Edwin Benton Benai, The Ojibwe Creation Story. Boju, Hello. My name is Mishomas. I'm an Ojibwe Indian. I live here in my cabin on the forested shores of Madeline Island. Madeline Island is in Lake Superior and is part of a group of islands now called the Apostle Islands. It is not far from the city of Ashland, Wisconsin. 
Many years ago, my Ojibwe ancestors migrated to this area from their original homeland on the eastern shores of North America. Now, the Ojibwe's and their offshoots are spread from the Atlantic coast, all along the St. Lawrence River, and throughout the Great Lakes region of this country. Madeline Island was the final stopping place on this great migration. Here, the water drum of the traditional Medewan Lodge sounded its voice loud and clear. Its voice traveled far over the water and through the woodlands. Its voice attracted the many bands of the Ojibwe until this island became the capital of the Ojibwe nation. It has been many years since the water drum has sounded its voice here. This water drum that I have beside me was handed down from my grandfathers. I am preparing this place to be a place of rebirth for the traditional Indian ways. I am preparing myself so that I might remember the teachings of my grandfathers. I would like to give these teachings to you. I believe that, together, we can begin the journey back to find what many of our people left by the trail. This will be a journey to rediscover a way of life that is centered on the respect for all living things. It will be a journey to find the center of ourselves so that we can know the peace that comes from living in harmony with powers of the universe. I do not believe in isolating myself in the memories of the past. I do believe that with the teachings of yesterday, we can better prepare ourselves for the uncertainties of tomorrow. I hope you will take these words that I seek to put down and use them in a good way. Use them to teach your children about the way of life has developed for the native people of this country. Use them to redirect your life to the principles of living in harmony with natural world. I would like to tell you an account of how man was created on this earth. This teaching was handed down by word of mouth from generation to generation by my ancestors. Sometimes the details of teachings like this were recorded on scrolls made from wigwas, or birch bark. I am fortunate to be the keeper of several of these scrolls. They will help me remember some of the details of what I give you. Wenaki, the earth, was young. It was said that the earth had a family. Nibagizis, the moon, is called grandmother, and Gizis, the sun, is called grandfather. The creator of this family is called Gichimanito, great mystery or creator. The earth is said to be a woman. In this way, it is understood that woman preceded man on the earth. She is called Mother Earth because from her come all living things. Water is her lifeblood. It flows through her, nourishes her, and purifies her. On the surface of the earth, all is given four sacred directions north, south, east, and west. Each of these directions contributes a vital part of the, to the wholeness of the earth. Each has physical powers as well as spiritual powers, as do all things. When she was young, the earth was filled with beauty. The Creator sent his singers in the form of birds to the earth to carry the seeds of life to all of the four directions. In this way, life was spread across the earth. On the earth, the Creator placed the swimming creatures of the water. He gave life to all the plant and insect world. He placed the crawling things and the four-leggeds on the land. All of these parts of life lived in harmony with each other. Gichi Manitou then took four parts of Mother Earth and blew into them using a sacred shell. From the union of the four sacred elements and his breath, man was created. It is said that Gichi Manitou then lowered man to the earth. Thus, man was the last form of life to be placed on the earth. From this original man came the Anishinaabe people. In the Ojibwe language, if you break down the word Anishinaabe, this is what it means. Ani, from once. Nishna, lowered. Abi, the male of the species. This man was created in the image of Gichimanito. He was natural man. He was part of Mother Earth. He lived in brotherhood with all that was around him. All tribes came from this original man. The Ojibwe are a tribe because of the way they speak. We believe that we are Nikon Nisnuk, brothers, with all tribes. We are separated only by our tongue or language. Today, the Ojibwe's cherish the Magus shell as a sacred shell through which the Creator blew his breath. 
The Maker Shell was to appear and reappear to the Ojibwe throughout their history to show them the path that the Creator wished them to follow. Some Ojibwe Indians today wear the Migas or cowrie shell to remember the origin of man and the history of their people. There are a few people in each of the tribes that have survived to this day who have kept alive their teachings, language, and religious ceremonies. Although traditions may differ from tribe to tribe, there is a common thread that runs throughout them all. This common thread represents a string of lives that goes back all the way to the original man. Today, we need to use this kinship of all Indian people to give us the strength necessary to keep our traditions alive. No one way is better than another. I have heard my grandfather say that there are many roads to the high place. We need to support each other by respecting and honoring the many roads of all tribes. The teachings of one tribe will shed light on those of another. It is important that we know our native language, our teachings, and our ceremonies so that we will be able to pass the sacred way of living on to our children and continue the string of lives of which we are a living part. Miigwech. Thank you.